This evening's Bible reading is taken from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, all of it. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all of the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers, forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua Order the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people. Get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses the servant of the Lord gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all of your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which, the Mo which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward, towards the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wh wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I uh, assess the mood, the feeling at Brighton Road at the moment, I sense... I detect a sense of expectancy about the future. 
combined perhaps with a degree of apprehension at the same time. Partly it's that we're looking forward to Michael coming in just six weeks. But it's more than that. We have welcomed fresh members of staff before. I think there's a sense that this year, which is appropriate enough, the 125th anniversary of the founding of the Horsham Baptist Ministry in the upstairs room of the King's Head Hotel, that this year marks a new beginning, a fresh opportunity for us as a church. We've got a fresh vision which gives us a, a clear sense of identity and direction and there are some encouraging signs that we're working towards realising at least some of our aspirations. And as we look back over the past couple of years, we can see that we've been through a really difficult time, a period of turmoil and upheaval, and we haven't emerged from that unscathed. But through it all, God has been gracious and faithful. And we now find ourselves in a position where we can place our confidence in him for the future. We stand, it feels, as if we're on the threshold of a new beginning. And in that sense, we are like Israel, standing on the borders of the promised land, at the start of the book of Joshua. Been through a lot. Not quite sure what's happening next, but we're trusting God for it. And for Israel, this really was a watershed moment. Moses, the man who'd led them out of Egypt and guided them through the wilderness for 40 years, Moses was dead. Really the end of an era. And this was the moment for them to enter the land God had promised to give them. This was the reason why they'd left their miserable existence in Egypt in the first place. For years, decades, they'd been looking forward to this moment in time. And this was it. They had arrived. And it all felt a little bit daunting. Not least because they'd been here before and flunked it. Forty years ago, they'd been in this place, on the borders of the Promised Land. They'd sent spies in to check out what it was like, and the spies reported back that the land was amazing, but the inhabitants were fearsome. And as a whole, the nation had bottled it. They'd ended up being so full of fear that they didn't know what they wanted to do. They lacked the courage to go into the land. Many of them were just for going back to Egypt instead. And then when God said, okay, that's fine. You won't go into the land. You'll spend the rest of your lives in the wilderness. Well, then they changed their minds. We will go in after all, they said. And God said, I'm not going with you this time. But they had a go. They tried sending a raiding party into the land. And the party was defeated. There were casualties. They came back with their tail between their legs. The memories of that ignominious defeat was, were with them as they stood on the borders of the land this time. With the exception of Joshua and Caleb, that entire generation of adults had perished in the wilderness. But the knowledge that they'd been here before stayed with them. And in a sense, that was a good thing because they knew from experience that if they were going to go into the land this time, they would need to trust God 100% in a way that they hadn't done the first time round. And they also knew that they needed to put their confidence in Joshua. He had been one of the 12 spies sent into the land, and only he and Caleb had come back and said, we can do this with God's help. But he and Caleb had been overruled, shouted down, but 40 years later, these two men were the only ones left, and here was Joshua on the borders of the Promised Land again, ready this time to lead the people in. I wonder how he felt. 
40 years wasted in the wilderness. But he was looking forwards, not backwards. And the whole nation was prepared to rally behind him and woe betide anyone who didn't, as the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh put it. Whoever rebels against your words, Joshua, whatever you command them, we'll put them to death for you. So this time, as long as Joshua showed the same strength of spirit and courage as he'd done 40 years before, they were going to make sure that everybody towed the line. This time it was going to be different. And that's what made this a watershed moment. Watershed is a strange term. It's a bit like you think of a, a shed roof with shed with a pitched roof, and when it rains hard, the water runs down one side or the other. And originally the term referred to an area of high ground from which water would run off, either into one valley on one side or the other valley on the other side. It's how the term came to be used as a metaphor for change, because once you scale a watershed, you reach a pivotal point. Once you reach the other side, everything's different. The outlook is different. The water flows a different way. And that's where Israel were as a nation. It's a little bit perhaps where we are. This could be a watershed point for Brighton Road. And if we're looking for lessons for us, well, God's word to Joshua becomes God's word to us all. Joshua is told, be strong, be courageous, and be careful. And in case he doesn't get the point, the command to be strong and very courageous is repeated over and over again. So frequently you have to figure out that this was actually something that Joshua needed to hear quite badly. Uh, Perhaps his natural inclination was to feel a bit inadequate. But God assures Joshua that just as he'd been with Moses at every moment in the last 40 years, so God would be at his side. And he would be there for Joshua. Never leave him, nor forsake him. That reality would give Joshua all the resources he would need to lead the people into the inheritance of the land that God had actually promised to their forefathers hundreds of years earlier. So in verse 6 we read, Be strong and courageous. You will lead these people. Verse 7, Be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And just for good measure, the people told Joshua as well that all he has to do is be strong and courageous. And the basis for that strength and courage was the promise that God would be with Joshua as Joshua carried out God's commands. He wasn't going to be acting on his own initiative, relying on his own resources. He wasn't operating solo. His role was to be obedient. His role was to hold his nerve and to let God work through him. But all this talk of being strong and courageous wasn't simply a matter of whistling in the dark to keep his spirits up. The secret of his strength and courage lay in his faith in God and his faithfulness to God in the task that lay ahead of him. He wasn't alone, and knowing that God was with him made all the difference. And this was really important, because if Joshua and the people with him had strength and courage, they had the vital ingredients that their enemies, who looked so frightening and imposing, that their enemies lacked. Strength and courage would be ingredients that would play a key role in their forthcoming victories. Amongst the inhabitants of the land... Courage and strength were in short supply. 
The spies that Joshua sent into Jericho went in to spy out the city's fortifications, but the most important of the news they brought back was not how strong the walls of Jericho were. The news was what the prostitute Rahab told them. The people of the land are terrified because your reputation has preceded you. We don't know how they'd heard of Israel's exploits, but their past victories over Sion and Og on the other side of the River Jordan have been widely reported. And in short, Rahab said, the hearts of the people are melting with fear and their courage has deserted them. That's why you need to be strong and courageous because you will have what the inhabitants of the land lack. And why? Why were the inhabitants of the land so terrified? Because, because they knew, even if Israel lost sight of it from time to time, they knew that the God of Israel was the God of heaven above and the earth beneath. This was a God to be afraid of. And this God had given the land to his people. And because they knew the God who was with Israel, in their hearts and minds, they already knew that they were defeated. The battle was already lost. And so Joshua and the people with him needed to be strong and courageous because the people they were scared of were actually far more scared of them. The most important thing that Joshua and the people with him needed to know was that God was God of heaven above and earth beneath. This was the God who was with them. This was the God who was in charge of the entire operation. So with very good reason then, Joshua is repeatedly told to be strong and courageous, but also he's told to be careful. To be careful to obey the whole law that Moses, God's servant, had passed on to him. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and so that you stick to it without deviating to the left hand or to the right. That would be the key to Joshua's success. If you do this, you will be prosperous and successful wherever you go. So for Joshua going into the land, it wasn't simply a matter of letting go and letting God. He had to apply himself to internalising God's word, God's law. And he was going to need to do that if he was going to be diligent in implementing God's will. He could only do a thorough job of obeying God's commands if he was well acquainted with those commands. And to be well acquainted with those commands, he needed to do a thorough job of reading them and getting to know them. Most translations talk about meditating on God's word, which is always a good thing to do. Reading it, turning it over and over in your mind, rather like a cow chewing the cud so that it becomes familiar to you, part of the way you think and feel, part of your identity. And Joshua would need to know that it was God's word to him rather than his fear or his sense of inadequacy that was uppermost in his mind. He'd be operating out of a sense of this is what God is calling me to do rather than I can't possibly do it. The command not to let the book of the law depart out of his mouth actually suggests that Joshua is being told to read it and to read it and to read it. And he was going to read it, that would mean reading it out loud, because everybody read out loud in the ancient world. The first person we know of who mastered the art of reading silently was St Ambrose in the 4th century AD. Augustine observed 
that when Ambrose read, his eyes ran over the columns of writing and his heart searched out the meaning, but his voice and his tongue were at rest. And Augustine was really puzzled by this. Why, why was he not reading out loud? Perhaps it was so that he didn't get hoarse through reading so much and he, and he wore his voice out. That was Augustine's conclusion. So when Joshua read, he would have read out loud. That's why he's told to keep the book of the law on his lips, in his mouth, day and night. It was to be his routine to be reading this out loud to himself and to anyone who's going to listen. Because if he read it and he put it into practice... That would be the key to his success. Now, it would be quite wrong of me to suggest that if, if you read the Bible day and night, you will succeed in every area of your life. That would be a false promise. But if you are going to be successful in doing what God is calling you to do, then yes, you are going to need to immerse yourself in God's word. So that it's his word that governs your heart and your mind. Before I was a Baptist minister, I was expected to preach from the pulpit tonight. Before I was a Baptist minister, I was an insurance clerk with the Prudential and uh, working with domestic, motor and commercial claims. I remember Tony, the guy who trained me, one day giving me a copy of a motor policy and saying, this is your Bible. Okay. It wasn't, clearly, but what he meant was, and this guy was anything but a Christian, he was saying, this is the book you need to read and understand and learn because everything you need to know about motor insurance is in this book. It's your Bible, he said. When it comes to living for God, this is your Bible, okay? When it comes to living for God, what you need to know and understand and learn and internalise is here. It is the key to living your life for God effectively. And I know lots of us struggle with that. But the fact remains that trying to live for God without knowing the Bible is a little bit like trying to drive a car without having read the highway code. It's not the best thing to do. And sooner or later, you can find yourself in a situation where you haven't got a clue what's going on. It's irresponsible, plain irresponsible, to try and drive without having read the highway code. It's irresponsible and a bit hopeless to try and live the Christian life effectively for God if this book stays shut. So let's recognise, alongside the great promises of God's presence with Joshua, the promise of success and prosperity, the promise that no one would be able to stand up to him, there's also the requirement that he should devote himself to reading God's word. Standing on the side of the River Jordan, Joshua faced the daunting prospect of obstacles to be overcome and battles to be won. He knew he would need God's help. And to some extent... The measure of his reliance upon God would be the extent to which he immersed himself in God's word. Because it would be God's word to him that would be the source of his strength and courage. And for us as a church, as we stand on the threshold of something new, our 125th anniversary, God calls us to be strong and courageous 
to live out our faith in him and be faithful to him. We are called to be people who, in the words of William Carey, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. But to be people like that, we need, like Joshua, to be people who make the reading of God's word part of our routine. To make this our Bible, not in name, but in practice. Life can be a bit of a maze sometimes, but God's word enables us to find the right path. And as we follow that path without turning off to the left or the right, we ultimately find that path becomes the way to living successfully for God and prospering in doing his will. So God says to us what he said to Joshua, be strong, be courageous, be careful to read this word and make it the basis for what you do and how you live. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us, your commitment to us, for your word to us. And Lord, we we take on board, we receive and we welcome uh, your charge to be strong and to be courageous and to go for it. And yet with that, we recognise the responsibility too, not to let this word depart out of our mouths or our minds or our hearts. Thank you that you are with us. You've been with us every step of the way and you will be with us in the future and you call us to expect great things from you and to do great things for you. Give us courage. Give us strength. Give us faith. Give us faithfulness. Guide us by your word. And may what you say to us, rather than our own sense of inadequacy or fear or our own bright ideas, may it be your word that governs our hearts and our minds and our actions. For the glory of your name. Amen.